0: singer Dolores Van Cartier
1: always wanted to be a star performer.
2: But tonight, Nothing you can
1: do, but she's I'm going to become like a star witness.
2: Is my God. My God. Hey, is there a problem? I've never seen anybody killed before. If you testify, I'm going to put you in the last place on or at the would whatever look for you. She's an
0: ideal prospect for rehabilitation.
2: Absolutely not. That is not a person you can hide. That is a conspicuous person designed to stick out. Look at me. I'm a penguin. I'd like to offer a great big hi there and hello to Sister Mary Clarence. This stuff is terrible. It tastes
1: like... Hey there and welcome to Rewatchability. This is the podcast where we rewatch movies and see how they hold up in the modern eye. My name is Blaine Waters. With me as always is... Robert Leronde. And... J.A. McNabb. And we are an Entertainment One podcast. And if you like the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash rewatchability and become one of our Patreons, which we want to thank right now. Thank you so much for donating one, two, three, five Dollars. It's kind of like the collection plate. <laughs> it is. We hand it around, and then we give back. But if we don't you don't give. give, it's a sin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, you don't get any bread or wine. We just give you the podcast early and ad free, and then there's some bonus content. So uh, you can you can go there and check that out at patreoncom rewatchability And last week we talked about when we first saw the movie Sister Act. We went into a new reboot that's coming out for a a crazy new reboot. And this week, we are going to get into kind of Rob's rundown, the nitty-gritty of this this movie, and then we'll have some trivia and some behind-the-scenes. So, Rob... Behind-the-scenes of the movie, not
0: this podcast.
1: (laughs) Oh. (laughs) You guys are recording yourselves recording this, right? I cleaned my house for this. I put on a Zoom background for this. Okay, Rob, do you want to uh, get into the. uh, Should I start with the nitty or the gritty?
0: (laughs) Is gritty in this movie? No. (laughs) Is this shot in Philadelphia?
3: (laughs) Okay, well, it starts at a Catholic school. There is a little girl there who's being called upon. We're sort of. Meant to believe that this is a young Whoopi Goldberg. And uh, the nun asks her uh, if she can name the apostles. The apostles of Christ. Easy. There's 12 of them. <laughs> and they're oh like <laughs> the most basic English names uh, in the world. So you just name four English names. You're good. But she, uh, she, she doesn't answer with the actual answer. She says John Paul, which those two are correct. Then she says George and Ringo, which are the names of um, the Beatles. Oh, oh
1: okay. yeah, yeah. I so thought those were apostles too.
3: It's tricky. It's tricky. So already, this is telling us that she doesn't have the, the best relationship with religion, or she, you know, she she seems to have too much creative energy to be held down by uh, the oppressive nature of the church
1: so this scene i've never been like a like a religious school at all and the kind of catholic schools in my hometown were just rampant with drugs like they were just like the worst places to go um but i do remember this story that my my uh father told me about this um he was in a school uh full of nuns that like taught all the classes and there's this one kid that uh that they play baseball with the nuns. This one kid that kept on trying to, like, he practiced baseball just to try to hit the nuns with the baseball. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and he would, he would always just try to run away from school, and he called them fucking penguins all the time. And I just remember that. And I remember, like, that all came back from watching this. Was he yeah. was he one of the it's Blues weird. Brothers? <laughs> Did you? So so that was going to be one of my behind-the-scenes questions, because there was someone who thought, that they saw the Blues Brothers in this movie. Oh, really? Yeah, that's hilarious. Uh, yeah, uh, but it, it's just obviously Dan Aykroyd's seem- <laughs> ghost. <laughs> it's just two ushers at the back of the theater at the uh, in the end scene. But they're like, no, those are the Blues Brothers. Anyway, interesting. <laughs> uh, My
3: dad also went to a Catholic school, and uh, yeah, he also told me stories of hating the uh, teachers because it wasn't just that they were like kind of mean, but they would actually like hit the kids like yeah. there was a lot of like corporal punishment like the stick they would hit them with the ruler so it wasn't like school like we had it where you know i had to learn poetry in detention i mean that hurt <laughs> in a different way <laughs> but horrible you know, sorry Rob. So, so a lot of people had like you know these experiences with, like catholic schools but anyway at the end of the scene the teacher tells her girls like her you know where they end up reno And she is a a lounge singer. And, you know, she's playing to some, like, half-empty casino floor. And she doesn't look like she's having much fun. She's singing the song, but it's not a glamorous gig. And... (laughs) She's working for her boyfriend, who is played by Harvey Keitel, which I had totally forgotten that he was in this movie. And also, I, I, as soon as I saw him, I got really concerned for Whoopi Goldberg because, <laughs> you know, fuck around with Harvey Keitel. He was Jodie Foster's pimp, you know? He's a bad dude. <laughs> But he won't leave his wife. He refuses to get divorced because the priest told him that uh, he'll go to hell if he does. And so she kicks him out, and she's going to break up with him. But uh, he sends her a nice mink coat, and uh, she's almost impressed until it turns out to have his wife's name embroidered on the inside. And so she's going to give him a piece of her mind. And when she's up there, she happens to see him shooting some dude in the face. Happens to the best of us.
0: <laughs> well, it's actually like it's his henchman who does it, right? It's not even him that like yeah. pulls the trigger.
1: Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, no? but he's like standing there looking at it, like he's fascinated by it when she walks in. He's is actually I like the way the scene is directed too because he's totally not phased by the fact that she walked in. He's like, hey, how's it going? Are you here to, like, say thank you for the coat? Like, it's just so psychotic. Well, it's also, yeah. it's very clear that he's a mobster.
0: Like, she should not be surprised <laughs> that she walked into his office and found no. a guy getting shot in the face.
1: No, it's it's weird because, like, she, she right then starts being like, no, I love the coat. I love you. I want to be with you. When like, the night before, she knew he was a mobster and killed people and was like, get out of my house. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah.
0: It's also I watched, you know, like we mentioned last week, I watched this movie on Disney Plus, which uh right. is is full of family entertainment. And uh they, they right. won't even let you see uh Daryl Hannah's buttocks.
1: Because they put
0: <laughs> you know they put CG hair over that. And here's a movie that opens with a guy getting shot in the face. I mean, it's true, you don't see it, but yeah, it's,
3: it's still it, intense. Yeah, it's... Do they have walkie-talkies for it guns? It feels like You're a fucking like, Scorsese movie for the first 20 minutes. <laughs> it totally does.
0: <laughs>
3: yeah. There's a but casino, so she, I mean,
0: Harvey Keitel, <laughs> it, some popular songs.
3: <laughs> if there was a Rolling Stones track, it would have been Marty all the way. <laughs> But she uh she runs and uh they run after her. She manages to escape and she goes to the police and the the cop who's played by Bill Nunn, he's going to uh put her somewhere where she can be safe if she promises to testify. And it's a place where she's gonna be kept very safe because nobody would ever think to look for her there, he says with like a knowing sort of like wink at the camera and Next scene, they are touring the convent, and this is where she's going to be under witness protection, and she's going to be, you know, taking sanctuary under the mm. rafters of the church. It seems like it's a pretty straightforward thing, but <laughs> when they go to tell the, uh, Mother Superior about the new addition to the convent, she takes one look at Whoopi Goldberg, and she nopes the fuck out because she does not like that Whoopi Goldberg is, uh, um, um, in rehabilitatable, I think. <laughs> That's yeah. That's what
1: it is, it, right? <laughs> it does kind of like play in that area, though. Like, that she's, I don't know. Because she's also like, she's a loud singer. Like, I can't rehabilitate a loud singer. I was like, you wanted to say a different word. <laughs> well, she's, of also, thing, she's not supposed to like, rehabilitate her.
0: She's just supposed to keep her out of, from not being murdered, basically. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we should pl- say, uh, played by the great Maggie Smith.
3: Yeah, the Dame. Dame
1: Maggie Smith.
3: Yeah, better recognize. Who's
1: awesome? I love Maggie Smith. She's amazing. Yeah. she's And she's also, like, ageless, because she's always been old. She's like one of those, like Patrick Stewart, you know? Yeah. She's always played. And a lot of us well, know her yeah.
0: from Harry Potter, uh, or you know, in recent years, and of course, Downton Abbey. But I was thinking about watching it, yeah. watching uh, some of the scenes in this. There are a lot of movies now, w- with all the Harry Potters... And then two of these movies. How many times has she had to film a scene where she, like, stops someone in a hallway from going somewhere? <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's her specialty. I guess. But she's great,
0: yeah. I, she's kind of, you know, great, kind of racist at first, but great.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know who, uh, like, Bill Nunn, I, I kind of, he's so gentle in this movie. He speaks so gently and he, like, purports himself. to I just want him to be every cop, basically. Uh, it would be great if, like, everyone was Bill <laughs> Every cop is Bill none. Yeah, he's great.
2: Sorry I'm late. I'm Lieutenant Salvin. Eddie Salvin. How do you do? I'm Dolores Van Cartier. Listen, this guy was a simple limo driver, right? He was a limo driver, so maybe he made a couple of wrong turns in his life. That's no reason to kill him. I've never seen anybody killed before, except, you know, sometimes you pass on the freeway, you see a couple of people dead. Mr. But it's not the same Cartier? thing, what? You're Vince LaRocca's girlfriend, right? Well, you could sort of maybe... It depends on how you look at it. I mean, the guy just tried to kill me, so I don't think that cements our relationship.
0: Holy shit, I just realized his name is Bill Nunn, and it's a nun movie. I know.
1: I know. <laughs> <laughs> do you think that's why he was hired? <laughs> totally. Hands down. <laughs> Hands down. I'm I do. I i I'm not going to mention this in the behind the scenes, so I'll mention it now. But uh, Disney, when Whoopi Goldberg was hired, they had... <laughs> This is so – because it's 1993, so I guess they don't know about race. I don't know. They were oh, like – Oh, they
3: know. <laughs> Song of the South, they know.
1: Oh, God. Um, but uh, they were like, who do we who do we hire as like the cop? Because we want them to be a love interest with each other. So like we can't – can we hire a white guy? Will that be racist? Can we hire a black guy? Will that be racist? And then Whoopi said that one, <laughs> one guy in the room, some quote-unquote genius was like – I got it. A Latino. We are a <laughs> oh my Latino. God! Well, no, it wasn't just a Latino because I read an
0: article by the original <laughs> so screenwriter stupid. who talked about his experiences. I don't know if you read yeah. that same article, but he said they they suggested Edward James Almos. They
1: they they did at first too, as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's great. He's he's great. Um, anyway, but his name no, that isn't synonymous is just... with
0: the uh, subject
1: matter. <laughs> Right. They needed to go with the nun.
0: Yeah.
3: (laughs) If it took place in an almost, whatever that is. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, She's, she's, whoopee Dolores is not fitting in quite so well at the nunnery she doesn't like the food and she speaks up and she gets in crap from the mother superior and she's forced to fast so that's not good but she does bond with a few of the sisters namely sister mary Roberts and sister mary the other one played by kathy najimi
1: and both of them are great yeah they're i mean i love kathy najimi in anything she's so she's so She's so funny yeah
3: Yeah, absolutely. I've also been watching a lot of King of the Hill uh, recently, and she's in that. She's great. She's amazing. She's everywhere.
1: Yeah, she does, like, uh, Peggy, right? Peggy Hill? Yeah, that's right. (laughs) She's so funny. Peggy Hill. And and she's, like, so just, like, optimistically and positively funny. You know, like, there's a lot of people that, like, are angry funny, and she's just, like, delightfully funny. Yeah. I I love watching her. And it's
3: actually, like, it's... Note on for like a certain type of Catholic person. Like I, I've <laughs> right. met that person like right. a, yeah, quite yeah. a few times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but she gets in lots of crap, and uh, she actually, she sneaks out one night to go to a bar, and the sisters follow her, and uh, they play music on the jukebox, and they have a good time, but of course, when she gets back, the Mother Superior gives her crap for this as well, and she gets forced to sing in the choir, and we've already heard the choir at mass and they are terrible they're they're off Mm -hmm. key and they're not together and they're it's just a bunch of elderly white ladies sounding like they're about to uh you know meet the lord but it's uh she's not very happy to be there but as soon as she gets there the other nun thinks that she's been sent to take over so she sort of gives her the baton and makes her take her shot and you know, this is what she does. This is where she gets to shine. And she gets them to sort of sing notes and make a chord. And they sound beautiful. They sound harmonious. And, like, at this point in the movie, it really sort of comes alive. And this is, like, halfway
1: through the movie. Yeah. It's a long lead-up to this. It's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's literally long the halfway point. Lead up. Yeah. yeah. It's,
0: it's, like, 54 minutes in or something.
1: And I, I remember the moment with the uh, shy... A nun singing and her like pushing on her stomach and making her sing. I remember that being like a breakthrough, but that happens right away, <laughs> like yeah. in this movie. <laughs> yeah. It's not like it's not like she's working with her and she's always shy and the and the uh, the chorus is coming together, but it needs that one extra person and she's not caring. Like no, it's just right away. She's like, oh, I can sing now. Thanks so much. Yeah.
2: Okay. <laughs> um, try this. <laughs> Close your eyes. Visualize yourself in a room full of people, lots of silverware, people dropping stuff, talking loud, drunks, women with with trays going, what are you going to (laughs) have? Your voice has to carry over the din. You have to get up over all of that to be heard in the back of the room where I'm sitting, listening, straining to hear you, okay? Keep that in your mind when we do this. Sister?
0: Ah.
3: the movie spends so much time getting whoopee to the convent and then also so much of like the fish out of water stuff that Mm -hmm. they don't have any time to really develop the music stuff like because then the very next scene they're performing for the mass and they sing the song and they sound pretty good but then check this shit they had some (coughs) hand claps (laughs) the devil's hand this way too (laughs) that's (laughs) right yeah And this, like, totally blows the roof off of St. Catherine's Church. People start coming in from the streets, and uh, not the old stuffy white blue hairs that usually come in. It's like cool, hip, black kids. So that's that's something, right? That's amazing from, like, one scene earlier. That's a big change from, uh, yeah.
1: you know... Well, they also they also go out and they like fix up their neighborhood too, right? Like they take the graffiti and put like nice painting. I don't know. Yeah, they well, do. They do.
3: That's after Whoopi Goldberg. See, uh, Maggie Smith doesn't want Whoopi to keep doing the choir directing. But the father, you know, happy that people are actually starting to come to mass, he is all for it. And so she agrees to lead the choir, but only if the nuns agree to go out into the community and start doing, like, all this community outreach stuff, which is great. And they have, like, this good montage of them, like, meeting the people and, like, cleaning up the convent.
1: And that's— that's. That's a great scene. I'm glad that that scene's there. Yeah. You know what? And and I loved that scene so much that it was it was kind of the inverse of what I think a normal movie would do with this. Is that, like, you know, the sinner from Reno comes in and she finds God is what the normal movie would, would do. But, like, she comes in and she kind of brings everyone there a little bit closer to God. Like She's yeah. like, you're, you're supposed to be helping the community. You're supposed to be out there doing these things. And I think she makes them kind of better nuns, which is great. Which is a really cool message for this movie. Yeah, it's funny because
0: she does, Maggie Smith does say like, you know, maybe you're here for a reason, like your life isn't on a good path, basically, like maybe you should take this time to reflect on the sort of sinful decisions you've made. And then, Mm -hmm. yeah, for some reason, it goes in the complete opposite direction. (laughs) and It's about her teaching these nuns how to be better people.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Which is kind of amazing
0: and kind of subversive in a way.
1: For sure. Yeah. I love that. But then I feel like they pull the punch at the end because like Mother Superior is, is like, I'm going to quit because I don't need to be here. And then she's like, ah, I'm not going to quit. But she doesn't say like, I'm not going to quit because you've made us better. Like you've you, you brought us together more than I did. You know, she, does, like, she doesn't really give that character anything. And I thought that was kind of a missed opportunity to really cement what was happening in this movie
3: yeah i i mean that's fair. I think the movie doesn't uh it doesn't go very deep into anything like <laughs> that's fair yeah. the the stuff that they set up with Whoopi Goldberg at the Catholic school like it seems like oh, she's traumatized by having this experience. And then when she comes to the nunnery, she is in a similar way to the way that she was, like, making up shit about the apostles to, you know, get laughs in class. Instead, she's just, like, making up shit to try to, like, survive, to keep her head above water and, you know, try to make it seem like she fits into the thing. So it seems like it's going to make some sort of, like... I don't know have her come to terms with her childhood or her like you know place in the in the religion or her place with like God or whatever but it doesn't do that for better or worse. I'm I'm kind of glad she doesn't like you know you know it doesn't get preachy. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think that <laughs>
0: also kind of like the weird messaging of it is partly because of those rewrites we were talking about. Like like I said I read the article by the original screenwriter mm-hmm. and from the sounds of it what he was saying he kind of first came up with was more like a satire that kind of took down the Catholic Church in a way. Like, it was about this kind of free spirit who's... You know, right. it was more into, like, sex and rock and roll and stuff, kind of, like, exposing the hypocrisy of the church and, like, and ultimately, you know, kind of emerging victorious in the end. And this is kind of just a much more gentle, disnified version of that same arc. So it doesn't, yeah. it has some of the same beats, but it's, th- you know, it certainly doesn't read like a satire in any way. No, no.
3: So at this point, like, their efforts are starting to make waves, and they even get on, like, the news. And at one point, the mole in the police office tells Harvey Keitel where she is. And so she's in danger. But the problem is, is that that's the day that they're supposed to sing for the Pope. So
1: <laughs> it's tricky, you know? <laughs> I love that the Pope comes to town just to hear this. He's like, hey, we gotta, I gotta hear this uh, this new choral stuff that's going on. Book me a ticket. I heard they <laughs> clap their hands. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I mean, that's pretty radical for the Catholic Church. They only passed Vatican II, you know, a few years before, 50 years before this. So, you know, clapping still like, ah. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. But, yeah. so Bill Nunn he wants to take her away to somewhere safe, but she manages to slip off, but then she's captured by the two henchmen, and they kidnap her and bring her back to Reno, so it seems like all is lost, but this is where Maggie Smith, though she's been kind of you know a b word the rest of the movie she uh she's the like a bishop yeah that's right. <laughs> She, uh, she rallies the nuns together, and uh, they go to Reno to to save their friend. Um, even She even tells the, all the other nuns the truth about her, that she's not really a nun, that she's like a singer. Um, and so they guilt this helicopter pilot into
1: uh, flying them to Reno for free, which is great. <laughs> yeah, it's a good scene. Um, I- I also love that, like, they, you know, the guys are looking for her in the casino, and, sh- and all these nuns are in the casino as well, running around. And so, like, they actually help her from being, like, killed. It's great. Yeah.
3: And then eventually, like, it comes to the point where they've almost got her and all the nuns are there. And the thing is that the henchmen won't kill her because they don't want to kill a nun. And she's been really playing up the uh, piousness act you know the Sister Act, you could call it, and they still won't do it. And even Maggie Smith vouches for her, says that yes, she is a nun. She ha- she has all the the grace and all the stuff that nuns have, that had the hat and.
2: Uh... <laughs> Joey, do it. I can't, Vince. She's still a nun. She's a broad. Got it? Just a broad. I guarantee you, she is no broad. She is Sister Mary Clarence of St. Catherine's Convent. She's a model of generosity, virtue, and love. You have my word for it, gentlemen. She is a nun. You hear that? Now, aren't you glad we didn't shoot her?
3: The henchman can't kill her, but then Harvey tells about to kill her, but then just at the last minute, Bill Nunn comes in and shoots one of the bad guys and uh, saves the day. And then they go on and they sing for the Pope, and uh, he's kind of getting great. into it. He stand, He gives a standing ovation at the end. Yeah, that's Which is amazing. A, yeah, very. You know, this was one of the good popes. I think. You know, this was <laughs> definitely not the Nazi youth pope. <laughs> <laughs> He's really more of a fan of the oompa pa music. <laughs>
1: um. So that that was that was uh, sister act, and uh, we'll be right back after this to talk about. Uh, I'm going to give you guys some trivia questions, and then we'll talk about behind the scenes after this. Hi, I'm Kimberly, producer at Entertainment One's Podcast
3: Network. When I'm waiting in line for a coffee or catching up on housework, I love a new podcast. Decode the mysteries of UFOs with Somewhere in the Skies. Or if you're feeling risque, check out Turn Me On for a no holds barred conversation on sexuality and relationships. You can listen to all of Entertainment
1: One's podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there! Welcome back to Rewatchability. We're talking about Sister Act. I have some trivia for you guys. You guys ready? It is. This, it, this isn't going to be about the Bible, is it? <laughs> it's it's uh, what are the twelve apostles? Oh, Name, oh. Them.
3: <laughs>
1: Name them. Name uh, them. Pete Best. That's totally correct. Um, okay, so question numero uno: uh, Dolores' lounge act in the film is called the Ronells, which is a combination of what two girl groups? From the '60s, the Ronettes. Oh, yeah, that's one. The Shirelles. And the Shirelles. You got it. Okay. Question number two. Sister Act is one of the highest-grossing movies of 1992, with a domestic domestic box office of 140 million. And I think it like was made for like under 10 million, which is it's insane.
0: No, no, um, it, was, it was like 30 something.
1: Oh, was it? Okay. There are. Only five movies that made more money domestically than $140 million in 1992. Name one of them. Batman Returns. Uh, oh, you, you did it. Rob, do you have one? Um, No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh,
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> Aladdin, Home Alone 2, oh, those are Batman Returns, Lethal Weapon 3, and a few good men. Oh.
3: Uh, oh, Aaron Sarkin sliding yeah. in there.
1: <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Um all right. So Sister Act 2 was such a huge success that uh, Whoopi came back to the franchise twice in both in both Sister Act 2 and the musical. She played Mother Superior in the London West End performance of the musical, but then the musical was moved to New York and who played Whoopi Goldberg's character? in the Broadway performance. What Disney star? Oh. Uh. Ooh. Uh. Was it, uh, Goofy? <laughs> <laughs> no. No. But he figures into one of my behind the scenes. Who? I don't know. Is it like a Disney, like a young
0: Disney star? It's Ryan a young Gosselin? Disney star.
1: She had her own show with her name in it. Raven Simone? Raven Simone Is the right answer Uh, Ryan Gosling Almost got it Wait she played The Mother Superior Uh, No um, Whoopi played Mother Superior In the London West End She came back To do that Uh, But then when It moved to Broadway She was not in it Raven Simone Played Whoopi's character Alright and the last Question I just found this Interesting What's Whoopi Goldberg's Real name First or last (laughs) Doesn't matter Sister Mary Goldberg (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's Karen. Her name is Karen. Wow. <laughs> Karen Elaine Johnson. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> so her father was a clergyman. So I think she kind of like that helped really? her maybe get into this. Yeah. Her mother was a, a teacher. I, I find her life fascinating. She She had a daughter when she was 18 years old, but still managed to study... Acting under Uta Hagen, ooh, which is crazy. And then she made like a one-woman show that was renamed from Spook to uh, Whoopi Goldberg. Um, <laughs> and then from that, Steven Spielberg saw her and cast her in A color Pilgrimage. So, like, that's it's just like it's an insane rise. Uh, it's 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 so cool.
3: Yeah, she's amazing. And I also like. To be a celebrity of her stature in, like, the 80s and 90s being a black woman, I think, was no easy feat. Like, she was really, like, one of the only ones that was given the opportunity to star in, you know, big movies, it seems like. Well,
1: and also just...
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot
1: Like for stage when we were we were in our twenties and and like imagine doing that with a kid like it's it's just impossible and she had a one oh, woman yeah. show like <laughs> uh, it's just she's she's just amazing to me so some behind the scenes for you guys it was written by Paul Rudnick who wrote In and Out and Adams Family Values ooh uh, he's he's continues to be the playwright today uh, it was directed by uh, Emil Artelino who cut his chops directing dance documentaries before he directed Dirty Dancing and then nice. this. Yeah, which is pretty sweet. Um, sadly, he passed away from complications due to AIDS a year after Sister Act came out.
3: Really? Is,
1: uh, yeah. Oh, Which is no. in 1993, yeah. And he, um, you know, at first when Bette Midler was attached, he was really excited to, to direct Bette. I'm sure he was excited to direct Whoopi Goldberg, too, but he did get to direct Bette Midler in... Um, in gypsy uh, right after this, it was the last thing he directed before he died. So oh. um, did uh, you, did you read I, that
0: Alma Dovar was going to do it at one point?
1: Yeah. What? He got turned down. Yeah. Yeah. He That's like, I think so he turned crazy. it down.
0: Like they offered it to him. Cause right. I guess like his last movie kind of popped and uh, <laughs> they, they thought you <laughs> should do sister acts.
1: he's regretting that now (laughs) (laughs) Disney showed him Um, yeah but I do find it really interesting that in 1993 and for Disney they hired two openly gay, like a a writer and a director for this film uh, which I I think is is pretty cool well Um, it seems pretty
3: like against what Disney would do in 1992 93 thinking of you know
1: all that shit with the Ellen show and everything yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, so, I, I don't know. That I, was I her supervillain cool.
0: origin story. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, man. Live long enough to see yourself. <laughs> like, it's just... Oh, man. Anyway, Paul Rudnick, like you said, JM wanted, like... He, he said that he kind of wanted, like, a, a drag movie. He thought that... How could you make a drag woman from, like, like a female perspective? and he thought that a woman dressing up as a nun that shouldn't be a nun or that doesn't want to be a nun is is kind of a drag uh, performance in and of itself. So that's kind of where it came from. And then, yeah, and then disney Disneyfied it. And some of the crazy people that were on it were like Carrie Fisher and Nancy Myers, like big names rewriting this film. Wow. Anyway, he. some people think that he took his name off it when Whoopi goldberg got cast which i think is just uh i don't know an awful thing to insinuate but it uh, it was actually because there were so many rewrites that he was like i didn't write this there was nothing in this that is me anymore so he wanted he wanted his pseudonym to be goofy and disney disney wouldn't <laughs> allow it <laughs> gosh <laughs> yeah, well, i think i read I love like that. did you read
0: that uh, article he wrote about it
1: I read parts of it, yeah, yeah, but uh, go, well, go I on. think
0: he suggested like something that was like a fictional character from something, and they were like, no, and he's like, okay, how PG about Woodhouse? Yeah, yeah, how about how about Goofy then?
1: Yeah, because he was like you. Like Disney has his paws all over this, which should just be written by, Goofy. yeah, so it wasn't uh, which,
0: just a like that's he thought that's what it should be. It was a little like a fuck you for turning down my first pseudonym,
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure.
0: but also um, he uh it sounded like he he never saw the movie before he turned it down because, like he said, they just kind of took the script and had so many other people write it, and they kept telling him like, no, no, it's good, like you should. <laughs> Leave your name attached. And then it was this huge movie.
1: (laughs)
3: Yeah, yeah. It's like a
1: Twilight Zone episode. I know. Like, he's like, this is going to be a train wreck. It's going to be a train wreck. And it's like, nope. Um, (laughs) It actually worked. So uh, there was a lawsuit on this movie, too. Right after it came out, actress Donna Douglas from the Beverly Hillbillies had a production company. And she filed a $200 million lawsuit against Disney, Whoopi Goldberg even Bette Midler and all their production companies, because she had purchased a book called None in the Closet, and they had developed it and made a screenplay of the book in 1985. And there were over 100 similarities and plagiarisms between the movie and the screenplay that they owned. Shouldn't they have been uh, sued
0: by Eric Idle? Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, But like, Also, they have the paperwork to prove that they had submitted their script to Disney and Whoopi Goldberg and Bette Midler three different times throughout 1987, 1988, and 1989. So, like all three of those people, Disney, Goldberg, and Midler, had read it before, and then they did this movie. So, it's kind of like, I don't know. I don't know. I understand where they're coming from. What Uh, would the Lord say? (laughs) <laughs> uh, well, the Lord wasn't involved A judge was <laughs> And the Disney lawyers Have deep pockets So Render unto 90-
3: Disney What is Disney's
1: <laughs> <laughs> The mouse handed down the gavel Douglas declined A one million dollar offer From Disney to, to settle Because she's like We got this Like there's 100 similarities we, we gave them the script They've read the script And then they do this but uh, the judge the judge, awarded it in, in for Disney, so they had to pay all the court fees, too, which is just a horrible loss for them. They said that they would have to uh, copy it verbatim to even prevail in court, which is too bad. You know, um, I just
0: said that as a joke about uh, Eric Idle, but... Thinking back on this time in my life, like I also really liked Nuns on the Run because I liked Monty Python, so I watched all the stuff the Pythons did. But like, I think right. that like when when that came out and then Sister Act came out and Sister Act two, like I think I legitimately thought this was like a genre.
3: Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I assumed nuns were only for hiding
1: criminals or people on the run from right. Right. <laughs> right. It was like yeah. Witness Protection was just that. It wasn't the suburbs. It was just Well, what else like... do
3: they do?
0: <laughs> but it's really just like those I movies. I can't think of another one. But it's funny that they all kind of happened in a in a cluster of... <laughs> yeah. It's so weird.
1: Um, Disney wants to make a reboot. They've been talking about a reboot for a long time. What? Uh, Whoopi Goldberg was at first kind of like, I don't want to do a reboot, you know? Yeah. Um, the some of the nuns that were there and including Bill Nunn are no longer alive. So she was like, I don't want to do it without them. But she kinda of changed her mind and she she wanted to do a Sister Act Three. And uh she was kinda of petitioning with Kathy Najimi and other actresses the Disney to do a third installment of this movie franchise and Disney said no this year Instead, they're going to go in a new direction, and they're going to do a reboot of Sister Act for Disney+. And Whoopi saw an interview where the person was like, are you involved? And she's like, they're going to have to pay me a lot of money to do a walk-on part where I say hi and then leave. (laughs) 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 She was just, like, so upset. (laughs) Damn. I mean, they probably will, though, right? And she probably will. It's just an easy check. I mean, I. Maybe she can flip them off on her way through the set. Personally,
0: my headcanon is that the spiritual sequel to Sister Act 2 is, uh,
3: Spotlight. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, this was before I think everybody Jesus. was so aware of how awful the Catholic Church was. Now it's not quite so easy to lose yourself in the, uh, you know, the music. The fantasy world. <laughs> yeah. I was like, "Oh, this father seems like a nice guy." Well, also <laughs> sure, nothing. Okay,
0: so I I we haven't really talked that much about the sequel, but like like I said I watched it on Disney Plus and uh, you know we're not sponsored by Disney Plus but for the low low price of 7.99 <laughs> no, I don't know how much it costs but like as the movie ends like the thing comes up where it's like Sister Act 2 starting in 5 seconds and it was late at night and I'd had a, oh, a glass of wine so I was like oh okay I'll, I'll start watching it and uh, it is it is not good <laughs> What? Oh, no. no I
1: remember that one being I remember it being so Yeah good. way better than Sister Act <laughs> <laughs> 1 Okay, That's I didn't I watch the Isn't, whole like, thing. Isn't like Lauren Hill in it? Yeah,
0: Lauren Hill is in it, and also I, I okay, I didn't get very far, but I did watch the opening, and like <laughs> the ghost Jennifer whisperer. Love, he- yeah, Jennifer Love Hewitt's in it, but in the credits, it, she's credited as Jennifer, quote unquote Love Hewitt. <laughs> That's not her name. I just like why wh- it, that was a nickname, and then she dropped the quotes. Like, <laughs> what is that about? <laughs> It's like if if Dwayne Johnson was just like, yeah, my middle name's The Rock.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, The and then Rock, two different names. Yeah, that's weird. But yeah, Uh, yeah, and yeah, like you said,
0: Lauren Hill's in it. Uh, But but uh, James Coburn is in it.
1: But I remember (laughs) One Arm (laughs) Bandit. Doesn't she play James (laughs) Coburn? Doesn't Love Love Hewitt? Doesn't she play a shy singer that? Whoopi pushes on her stomach and she sings again? Like, isn't that the same thing? Yeah, but you her appendix bursts and she uh, <laughs> takes hospital. That's how Moutini died. She's like, <laughs> <laughs> just punching her in the stomach. Some <laughs> better teach, damn it.
0: Yeah. Uh no yeah I, I you know I didn't get that very very far in it. It was pretty it was pretty rough cuz you know like we kind of alluded to like they rushed it out cuz this movie was such a hit. They were like we need another one of these things next year. And if you look at like the posters <laughs> side by side, it's the same poster. Like they couldn't even they didn't even have time to be like we need a, a new poster. Like nope, like it's the same like Whoopi
1: in a nun's costume just kind of like leaning there looking cool. Maybe they hired Jennifer Love Hewitt on the same thing as as Bill Nunn. They were like, we need to get someone with, like, hire any any person with Grace as a name, like, right. you know, Hope, <laughs> anything. Oh, we have a love. Let's put her in there, you know? But that wasn't even her real name, apparently. <laughs> she did it just for the part. She it's like if Weird Al was
0: like, hey, my name's Weird. i It's always been my first name. I'm sorry if you got the wrong impression from those quotes.
3: Well, wait, we just found out that Whoopi Goldberg's first name is really Karen. I mean, I I just don't know what to think about anything at this point.
1: Yeah, yeah. There was also a guy on PBS, the host of Finding Your Roots on PBS. He said he couldn't find evidence of any Jewish ancestry in Goldberg's past, even though she changed her name to Goldberg because she said that she had some. So there's like some controversy over that. But who the fuck cares? (laughs) I don't. I don't. That uh, it just seems yeah, so boring. <laughs> like who? Who cares?
0: Was um, it with you guys that we talked about how Whoopi Goldberg has no eyebrows? No. Was that? What? Was that a dream I had?
1: Sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh my no, god! No, she like she That's has no
0: eyebrows, and she sh- she like shaves her eyebrows. Like, look at a picture of Whoopi Goldberg. She doesn't have eyebrows.
1: That's crazy. Does she have eyebrows in this movie? I don't think so. I don't know. She also... It could be hiding under a habit. She's also, I mean, uh, I think, you know, you're a Trekkie, JM, so you know this already, but Whoopi Goldberg is a Trekkie as well. And she credits that with, like, seeing the first black person on screen being like, look at, I I can do that. Like, she told her mom, like, I could do that. Her mom was like, don't do that. <laughs> Become a teacher, a lawyer. Uh, right. but, uh, but yeah, so she was like a lifelong Star Trek fan. And then finally got to yeah. Star Trek, which is like, that's so cool. Yeah, and that prepped
3: her for wearing those stupid nuns outfits. <laughs> she dressed pretty much the same way as Gaynan, right? Yeah.
0: I feel like we're losing a lot of Catholic listeners. <laughs> I think there are some weird things about this movie that yeah. I think maybe are a product of like the weird rewrites. Like we were saying, it's it's this kind of there's this weird arc that seems to take the church down to a certain extent, but in, in a very kind of cuddly way. And then there's also, like, there's this, the underpinnings of this, uh, the racial dynamic that's not really ever talked about out loud, Mm -hmm. which is weird. Because not only is, like, she obviously, like, the only person of color in this extremely white convent, but then on top of that, like the thing that she brings to the nuns, this way of delivering religious music is very much like a southern black Baptist church mode of, of, yeah. you know, holding a church service. And like you, you see that, like when, when they first start doing it, they're bringing in, you know, like a lot of like black kids off the street, but they never like talk about that. They never, and it's never even really, explored by the movie itself I was wondering what you guys thought about like did you think that was so obvious that we're meant to take it as a part of the text of the movie or did you think that it was kind of like like for me it felt a little like undeveloped I don't know
3: yeah, I mean, it seems, like, pretty, like, naive and, yeah, like, undeveloped and maybe, like, ignorant. You know, we've talked about the the trope of the super-duper magical Negro and how it sort of works in certain movies. But this is essentially the same thing, except that Whoopi Goldberg is the star of the movie. She still comes to this white space and helps these white people with their white problems and then uh goes off on her own. And that's not to say she doesn't have her own problems in the movie, but it's, like basically the same thing and then the whole like musical aspect i was just listening to this this american life episode a few weeks ago about this black church who um? they often have like white people come in as tourists and they watch the the singing part of the service, which is sort of like sister acty. It's sometimes described as, and then they all leave for the actual church part. And the person who was writing the story was questioning this and asking like why these people were doing this and why they felt like it was okay to use black people's spirituality and religion as like a tourist thing. And that's like, kind of what i feel like a little bit watching this movie like it brings an element of black religion into this like white space and you know we all get to enjoy it but we don't actually have to deal with any of the problems which black people have to deal with which i mean in particular watching this movie today was kind of uh you know difficult because there's uh, the world's on fire, and uh, yeah, this movie where there is obviously a racial element that it's just being ignored. It seems so strange, and also like you know, Bill Nunn's in this movie. He is uh, in you know, do the right thing. It seems like you know, it seems like glaring when everything is going on that uh, this movie just doesn't
1: address race at all. I I was thinking while you were talking that like since Bette Midler was attached at first, and this was kind of a a thing for her as a like a lounge singer kind of thing that, uh, you, like that you know there's counterpoints to what you're saying because it wasn't written for a black woman. But then I, I think, sure. but I th- but I think what you're saying is is still apt because you know I think Bette Midler would have come in and it would have been different way of doing those songs and i think the way that well they wouldn't have been singing the same songs. yeah
0: they're singing like yeah they would be like hey these songs are even lamer than they were a minute ago (laughs) they sound like (laughs) bet midler songs now
1: (laughs) the wind underneath my wings is just like playing uh but yeah i i like i think that because of the music they use they should have addressed it a, a bit for sure and I think even now, when I mean, uh, yeah, it's when the world's on fire and, and all this is happening, it's, it's really apt right now to be talking about it. But it's like sweeping it under the rug and just being like, "Oh, she's she's black, but she's also like just an, another person," which is true. But like when you use the music and she's singing that, it 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 does it, it is a little co-opting, especially coming from Disney uh, with their past. So yeah, like I see what you're saying there, Rob a lot I also I was looking up like to see if anyone had kind
0: of written about this stuff because it is like a very popular movie and I was finding well first of all I found more than one article kind of shipping the idea that this movie is like secretly a biracial lesbian rom-com between Whoopi <laughs> and the uh, was it Mary Robert like the quiet Sister one Mary Robert? Mm. yeah I
3: get those vibes the one yeah. whose
0: internal organs she rearranges <laughs> <laughs> uh but like that that there is like all the scenes that between the two of them where she's kind of like helping cuz like i mean w- I I thought at first like oh, okay they're you know they're being a little humorous we all do that with uh, with our favorite movies like to a certain extent like look for implications but then I was thinking about those scenes and it's you know when she first meets her she's saying like I feel like there's this thing inside of me that I'm not allowed to express and
1: yeah and she's telling like, that to her in her bedroom at the convent too like it's yeah. at night, it's it's very private like and it, intimate
0: yeah if you watch it in that context it feels very loaded.
1: And one of the last shots is like I, her looking at Sister Mary, what's her name, and them both like smiling, being like, "We get each other now." Like we understand. I don't know. Like I do, kind of see that. I, I see that a little bit. Yeah.
3: Well, you said that it was it was written by a gay man, right? And like historically, I mean, it, it's a trope of movies with nuns. I mean, the other trope. That when they're not, you know, on the run from the law or hiding out, is that they're they're gay or lesbian? Is because a lot of gay people or lesbian people had to go to the church because that's was the only life for them, you know, historically. So, I mean, maybe that was written intentionally in there, and you know, just as a little something for people to find. Could be uh, the other, uh, you know, I read a,
0: a, an article about, you know, kind of the box office
3: trajectory of this
0: movie how it became a blockbuster and just how it's a for a generation of people like it's a very important movie because like you said it was you know it was topped by a few movies but it was a huge huge blockbuster and a surprise blockbuster that you know the the star not only the star but like the only kind of selling point of this movie was a a female black comedian like i mean even now in the year 2020 like we see stories coming from hollywood about you know like people of color and women not only not getting jobs in hollywood but not being considered bankable properties or bankable selling points for for big budget movies and just to think that like well there was a movie that was huge when we were nine. (laughs) Like, it's just (laughs) so insane. Like, I don't, why is it? I I mean, obviously I I don't want to talk that much about, about Hollywood in general, but it's just funny to think, like you would think looking back at how successful this movie was, like you think maybe this movie would have been a bit of a tipping point in that regard.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I remember our conversation on um, rush hour too. And how like, both leads were not white. And it's like, yeah, and that was this huge, huge movie. And that felt like a tipping point, too. And that was years after this. So, yeah, it just feels like, um, you know, one step forward, one step back all the time, I think. Yeah. This type of thing.
0: But I wonder, I, I mean, I think it's not a problem, but I, it did seem like, I don't know, like maybe they should have waited to do a, a sequel that was more polished i don't know it seemed like the the reviews for the second one weren't great, the box office wasn't great, certainly not like the first one for sister act two back in the habit I, I i don't know like i i wish I wish there was a really strong follow up to this movie
3: yeah, well, back then, I feel like sequels weren't really. They didn't really put a lot of effort into them at all. Like, if something was an unexpected hit like this movie, it might get a sequel, but it was like there was no real like franchising of non genre movies or yeah. anything like it, that. Well, it was like it, a one and done. I,
0: I, I, there must be other examples of this, but like the other movie from like overlapping with Sister Act was like Wayne's World 2 also came out the same or the following year after the first one. Like, I think there was this sense with like comedies that were unexpected hits that
3: you just got to get it out yeah there.
0: like we have to get it out immediately otherwise everyone will for, will forget about it and now I, I I don't know if that that's true like people are so intent on like franchising things like maybe maybe people would take their time more as opposed to just getting two movies out very very quickly
1: but Wayne's World 2 was good
3: yeah that's what I mean now I'm starting to question is Wayne's World 2 not a good movie <laughs> uh. I'm having a crisis of well, faith. I mean it's okay,
0: but like I think we talked about on the Wayne's World episode like Wayne's World 2 was funny because they had so many unused jokes from Wayne's World 1 like uh for work right. one time I I read an early draft of the Wayne's World script and it was full of jokes that were cut from the movie, but were in Wayne's World too. And that's yeah, why nice. I think the Christopher Walken character in that movie is, is almost identical <laughs> to <Right>. Rob <laughs> Lowe, because they had all of these jokes that they could use if they just kind of replicated the the setup from the first movie. I, I don't know. So I, we're off on a ta- Wayne's World tangent now, but uh, yeah, I, I, Sister Act. I, I I don't know. Like like I said, I was I was intent to watch more Sister Act by the end of the movie, and <laughs> yes. and Sister Act two wasn't great.
1: I, I think it just and, ends so well, honestly. Like that that last performance they give is the best performance of the movie. It lasts a long time. I mean, I just wish the movie was full of more music, which is why I'm kind of intrigued to see the musical because if it's just more music like that, I want to see it. That'd be great. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, musicals aren't a thing anymore, Blaine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> nah, I'm, uh, no, I know. Jam, did you th- think this movie was rewatchable? Yes. Yes, I did. I, you know, I think it's
0: it's weird in certain regards, because of the rewrite thing we were talking about, like it, 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 it feels like a movie that may have been sanitized to a certain extent. Uh, it feels it feels very familiar in a lot of ways. Like it's basically like some like it hot, but with nuns. Right. Um, and that's it's also like nuns on the run with nuns. Uh, <laughs> but there is there is something about this iconic, and it's also like it's something that it's a formula that it keeps getting repeated in movies. Like it also feels very much like school of rock or something like that, you know, even right. the second one, which is literally in a school. But I, I think it's a very, you know, it's a formulaic movie. We know exactly how it's going to play out from the moment it starts pretty much, but it's got such a great cast. Like Whoopi whoopies, you know, at the top of her form, uh, Kathy and Jimmy, like we talked about, is hilarious, and Maggie Smith is is stern and British. Uh, She's hilarious. Yeah,
3: she has some great lines. At one point, she says something like, oh, "I'm just an antique, and I can't find my tambourine." <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So I yeah I I I would be lying if I said I didn't have a lot of fun watching this movie. I uh, yeah, I absolutely think it's rewatchable. What about you, Rob?
3: Yeah, I'm there were parts um, that I, I think it's a it takes a while to get going. It's slow to the point where it gets to until it gets to the point where they're singing. But then once she starts teaching them music, there's just something about seeing people be liberated by music. It's, you know, it's very, it fills you with joy and it comes across in this movie and, um, watching these, these people sing and learn to sing and express themselves. It, it feels really good. So when it finally gets there, you're like in and yeah, the songs are what makes the movie and the songs are great they're very well picked i watched this movie so much when i was a kid because my sister watched it that like i didn't know that these were real songs and so later when i was listening to the radio and they came on with the secular lyrics it blew my mind (laughs) Because they just fit so well. They're so well-picked, they work, it's it's great. Like, I think it's a real, like, achievement, but at the same time, the first half of the movie is, like, really slow, and it doesn't really go deep enough. Like, I wish it went into some of the, like, uh, into some of the, the conflict between, like, religion and Whoopi's secular lifestyle, but it's still a, still a classic.
1: Yeah, I'm, what are we I'm, doing? I'm with you, Rob. I, I like that the movie goes into a direction that I think didn't think it would, like... Will be helping everyone there, uh, like find their spirituality a bit more. I love, I loved that, and I think all the jokes that are in it that I laughed at, all of them were about sex and damnation. You know, it w- it was all kind of holdovers from, I think, an earlier draft of the script that wasn't. You know, some of the edges didn't get polished out too much. I love the point where the kind of shy nun says like if we do badly on this what'll happen and and Whoopi goes you're gonna go straight to hell and she takes it in she's like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my god I'm gonna go to hell Whoopi's like no I'm kidding and and she won't believe her that she's kidding I love that moment there's there's some there's some great moments um but I'm gonna say the music's so good those moments are great I like that it goes in a new direction but it just feels like a almost like a TV Movie at times, and it pulls so many punches, and it doesn't get into it. I'm I'm kind of on the fence. I don't know whether I'm I'm probably never going to rewatch this in my life. So I'm going to say it's not rewatchable. I think we oh, know, ye yeah. a little faith. Yeah. So I'm going to go straight to hell. Um, but uh, <laughs> I cast thee down. But that's it. For Rewatchability this week, thank you so much for joining us, and you can uh, check us out on Twitter and Facebook at Rewatchability there, and you can go to TeePublic and buy a t-shirt, and uh, you can go to Patreon.com slash Rewatchability and give if you feel the Holy Ghost move through you. Is that a thing? That people say yeah i think uh, so i've just alienated our religious listeners more i'm sorry uh but uh you can go there and g- get a t-shirt and or give us some money and we will give you some uh see you get a jail free card right.
3: unless you're an unbaptized baby <laughs> oh god <laughs>